0: .org. Now let's open up the Word of God together for today's message.: Let's open up our Bibles now. Matthew chapter 6 verse 11. Matthew chapter 6 verse 11. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, we do have Bibles in the back. Feel free to stand up, grab one of those. That is our gift to you. So there you go. See, we weren't lying. Let me do a review as we as we uh, go through the Lord's Supper here, verse by verse. We've been studying really Matthew's Gospel verse by verse, and for several months, we have heard the Lord Jesus preach the greatest sermon ever preached and penned. For the past several weeks, we've been learning how to pray. Uh, Jesus has taught us how not to pray, and now He's teaching us how to use the Lord's Prayer as a model as a structure, really as an outline to keep us focused as we approach our Heavenly Father in the throne room of God. And so far we've, we've gone through the first part of this prayer. Therefore, you should pray like this, our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy, your kingdom come and your will be done. And we learned about God's kingdom and God's will last Sunday. We had quite a few key points. Let me go over those before we dive into our next verse. Key point number one, when we pray your kingdom come, we are praying for God's government, his administration, and his leadership through the person and the work of Jesus Christ to be established on the earth. Key point number two, we talked about how at this moment, in this time, God's kingdom on earth is first and foremost, internal. The kingdom of God reigns within our hearts as God's people. Key point number three, we discussed how God's kingdom comes through the conversion of unsaved souls. Conversion is God's sovereign responsibility, which leads us to key point number four. It is the task of the church to make the invisible, or we could say the internal kingdom, visible. It is our responsibility to share Jesus day by day. And then lastly, key point number five, when we pray your will be done, we are actually praying that God's will becomes our own. So if we put all that together in in verse 10, it is this, that your kingdom come through me. Your will be done through me. And it's it's in that moment we see the cross. We see the vertical relationship. God's your kingdom come through me. Your will be done as as it is in heaven, right? We got the head. We got our heart. And then we have our hands, so we, we study the word of God for knowledge. We want to experience God verse by verse. We pray and we meditate on, on how this knowledge impacts our lives. And then we do something with it. We share Jesus day by day. So we learned how the, the first two verses of the Lord's Prayer concern the glory of God. We've got God's name, God's kingdom, and God's will. So that's all about God's holiness, his power, his sovereignty. And today, Jesus shows us how to make a transition in our, in our prayer as we move from really acknowledging God's glory in verses 9 and 10 to our needs in verse 11. Matthew 6, verse 11, give us today our daily bread. So the second half of the Lord's Prayer, we're going to learn it concerns our well-being. We're going to learn how to pray, give us, forgive us, and deliver us. So the question becomes, well, wait a second, how do we properly pray for ourselves? We all pray for ourselves, but are we doing that properly? I mean, we all have a bad case of the normals, just jumping into prayer, bypassing God's glory, neglecting all of our sin, and and just jumping in and telling God what to do. But over the next several weeks, Jesus takes on an incredible journey He takes us on an incredible journey. He's going to show us the key elements here that he wants us to focus in on within our personal prayer life. Uh, What are those elements? There are three items. Number one, God's provision. Number two, how do we extend forgiveness? And number three, dealing with our temptations. So today we're going to examine what Jesus means by praying for our daily bread. So if you would, please stand now for the reading and the honoring. Of God's word, I want to invite you to read with me. We have lifted our voices to sing uh, songs to the Lord, and, and now we want to continue lifting our voices here as we read God's word back to Him. Let's start here in verse five. If you would follow uh, with the uh, the verses on the screen, whenever you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. Because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your private room, shut your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. When you pray, don't babble like the Gentiles. Since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words, don't be like them, because your Father knows the things that you need before you ask Him. Therefore, you should pray like this, our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy, your kingdom come, and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts As we also have forgiven our debtors, do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Dear friends, these are the very words from the inerrant, the inspired, and the infallible word of Almighty God. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, the psalmist writes, Lord, may you be blessed. Teach me your statutes. So, Father in heaven, we, we come before you now. We have gathered together to, to sing worship to you. I pray that our, our worship was acceptable. I pray that you heard the cries of our hearts. And now, Lord, we keep our Bibles open as you teach us your statutes. Teach us how to pray and how to pray for our daily bread. And it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. 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 Have a seat, guys. Thank you. Let me back up to verse 9 to get a running start here. Therefore, you should pray like this, our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy, your kingdom come, and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Verse 11, give us today our daily bread. So give us, here we see the transition from glorifying God to asking for our provisions, the Lord Jesus says, give us. In the Greek there, uh, give is didome. Uh, It's the general term for give in the Greek. We could say it's to grant, it's to donate or bestow or to entrust to someone. So when we pray, give us, we're making an appeal to God. We are petitioning We're asking, we're pleading that He would give us what we're asking for. All of those things are called supplication. So let's first look at this verse through the lens of the disciples in the first century. And then let's look at it through our 21st century Americanized lens. The people of rural Galilee, uh, for the most part, they were extremely poor and they were oppressed. Now when I say they were poor, I am... I'm referring to being impoverished. Uh, They were not the type of poor that we we see here in the Verde Valley. Uh, We see people begging for money, yes, but they have cell phones. All right, This is not the kind of poor we're talking about first century Galilean poor. It's a completely different issue. Uh, If these folks didn't find a day job, if they didn't beg for food, they would go hungry for the day. So give us today our daily bread, that is to pray that God would meet their physical needs. So now we fast forward to the world that we live in, and, and I think it's a pretty difficult prayer to pray for our daily bread, because many of us have not just our daily bread, but we have a month's worth of bread or more already at home. And because we have so much today, we miss the urgency of this prayer, See, by God's amazing grace, we do live in a land of plenty. We have so much food, we worry more about obesity than we do going hungry. We go to Walmart, we go to Costco, and we throw all this food in this oversized cart. We get home and we stuff all that food in our refrigerator, maybe even the additional freezer out in the garage. We plan ahead. And guys, there's nothing wrong with that. God has given us a brain. He has he's, he told us to do that in Scripture. Uh, Proverbs 21 5 says this good planning, hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. poverty. So there's nothing wrong with being prosperous as long as we don't make the prosperity an idol. One of the best examples of planning ahead is when God prepares Joseph for the famine in Egypt in Genesis chapter 41. We've got a lot to learn through that story. So it's not that we don't want to be unwise in this area of our, in our lives of of provision here, but for us to realize that even though we bought the groceries, our father is still the provider. A second disconnect, I think, from this text is that most of us don't get paid daily. Our culture has changed the entire financial system regarding employees and and employers. We get paid on average every two weeks. So our our worldview here and, and our experience detract from the urgency to pray for daily provisions. It's tough to pray for our daily bread when we're We're used to overeating three times a day. Maybe that's just me. I don't know. So is this an outdated prayer with people who have an abundance? I mean, why should we ask God to supply our daily bread when many of us need to eat less for our sake of health? Well, I think we need need to go back to the Old Testament here to, to learn the context of what Jesus is saying. Uh, God provides daily for His children on a daily basis. Because the language here that Jesus uses in verse 11 is reminiscent of the experience that the Israelites had when they were walking around in a circle uh, in the desert for 40, to, 40 years. So let's take a look at this. We've got a lot to learn here. In Exodus chapter 16, verse 2, "...the entire Israelite community grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness." The Israelites said to them, Ah, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt. Wow. Really? Really. If only we had died by the Lord's hand in the land. When we, look at this, when we sat by pots of meat and we ate all the bread that we wanted, Instead, you, Moses, thanks a lot, you brought us out into this wilderness to make the whole assembly die of hunger. So now we're just going to starve to death out here. No time out. Is that what happened? What's the reality of what's going on here? Were the Israelites sitting around an all-you-can-eat buffet while they were in Egypt? Is that what they were doing? Were they on vacation, living large, you know, by the pool, just sipping on a pina colada? Is that what they were doing? No, guys, they were enslaved. They were making bricks from sun up to sundown. And they were being beaten for not making those bricks fast enough. That's the reality of what's going on. How soon we we forget? And here's the thing, now they're free. They are no longer slaves, but now they've got a problem because they lack trust for their daily provision. So isn't it interesting here that many people would rather be enslaved on the condition that their slave master would provide daily bread rather than be free and have to trust God for his provision? Isn't that fascinating? Verse 4, so the Lord said to Moses, all right, Moses, here's what I'm going to do. Here's the plan. I'm going to rain bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and they're, they're to gather enough for that day. Notice the language here. For that day. This way I'm going to test them to see whether or not they're going to follow my instructions. So guess what? In the morning, there was a layer of dew all around the camp. When the layer of dew evaporated, there were fine flakes on the desert surface, as fine as frost on the ground. And when the Israelites saw it, they asked one another, what's this? They didn't know what it was. And Moses said, hey, you knuckleheads, this is the bread. This is the bread that God rained down from heaven for you to eat. Look how verse 15 is worded. It is bread the Lord has given. Given. This is what the Lord has commanded. This is Moses now speaking to the Israelites. He says, gather as much of it as each person needs. Not wants, needs. You may take up to two quarts per individual according to the number of people each of you has in his tent. So the Israelites did this. Some gathered a lot, and some gathered a little. So that's a problem. Moses said to them, no one is to let any of this remain until morning. So in other words, don't store it, guys. Don't save it. You have to eat what you, what you pick up. Verse 20, but they didn't listen to Moses. Some people left part of it until morning, and it bred worms, and it stank. Don't you love that? Therefore, Moses was angry with them. Verse 21, they gathered it every morning. Make a note there, every morning. Each gathered as much as, once again, he needed, not that he wanted. But when the sun grew hot, it melted. So that gives us a reality check when it comes to praying, give us today our daily bread. In a way, the Israelites, they had to trust God. I mean, what else were they going to do? Were they really going to go back to Egypt, back into slavery? <clears throat> Moses recounts the Exodus for the Israelites. He says this. This is the, the second reading, Deuteronomy, of the uh, of the Exodus itself. He says, carefully follow every command that I'm giving you today, so that you may increase, that you may live and increase, and may enter and take possession of the land that the Lord swore to your ancestors. Verse 2, remember that the Lord your God led you on the entire journey these 40 years in the wilderness. Why did he do that? Look, so that he might humble you and test you. That's the second time we see that that language. To know what's in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. So we got to pause right there. We got to, that's a remarkable reminder for us this morning. As the Lord tested the faith of the Israelites with food, the Lord is also testing our humility today. Now, it may not be with food. It may be with our health. As we get older, are we going to allow the aches and the pains of our physical body to make us bitter Maybe the Lord is testing our faith with a health crisis. Maybe we got some serious stuff going on. Are we angry at God because we had better plans than being sick? Dear friends, please know and make no doubt about, about it. This is a moment of testing. Testing. As God prepares us all to meet Him face to face, He's going to deal with some issues that are buried deep, deep within the recesses of our heart. Those things have to come out. They have to be dealt with. Many of you are retired, which means that your finances may be a test because you can no longer work um, and uh, work physically, do the work that you once did. And maybe in the back of of our minds, we're thinking, you know, I don't know, is is social security, is that going to be enough? Am I going to beat myself up because I didn't plan better for retirement? Or maybe I had to retire early because of, of, of something, some type of health crisis. Whatever your situation may be, the question before us is, are we going to humble ourselves and trust him in this moment? Are we going to trust him with our daily bread? We have so much to learn from the Israelites in this area of trust and humility and faith. Deuteronomy 8.3. So he, that's God. Moses continues, God humbled you. Look at this. By letting you go hungry. He let you go hungry and then he gave you manna to eat. Huh. Huh. Which you and your ancestors had not known, so that you might learn that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Your clothing did not wear out, your feet did not swell for 40 years. Keep in mind that that the Lord your God has been disciplining you as a man disciplines his son. So keep the commands of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. It's a land with streams and springs and deep water sources flowing in both valleys and hills. It's a land of wheat and barley and vines and figs and pomegranates. It's a land of olive oil and honey. A land where you will eat food without, sh- without shortage. You're going to lack nothing. A land whose rocks are iron. And from whose hills you will mine copper. So we got to pause once again right there. That's the promised land for the nation of Israel. That's not the promised land for us. We too have a promised land. That is, if, if Jesus Christ is your Lord and your Savior. If you have confessed your sins, if you have repented, if you have turned and you actually believe that Jesus is God, then dear friend, your promised land will be a new earth within the the new city of Jerusalem. You can read all about that in Revelation chapter 21. But if you choose not to believe, if you choose not to repent, if Jesus Christ is not your mediator, he is not your Lord, Scripture is crystal clear. You are destined not for the promised land, but for eternal conscious punishment in a very real place called hell. That's why Jesus' first sermon, he said, repent, for the kingdom of God is near. So back to our Deuteronomy text, chapter 8, verse 10. When you eat and are full, you will bless the Lord your God for the, the good land that he has given you. He has granted to you. And then verse 11, he says, be careful that you don't forget the Lord your God. By failing to keep the commands and the ordinances and the statutes that I'm giving you today. When you eat and are full, you're going to build beautiful homes to live in. Your herds and your flocks, they will grow large. Your silver and your gold, it will multiply and everything else that you have will increase. That's all very, very good news. Verse 14, he says, be careful. That your heart doesn't become proud, and you forget that the Lord your God, who brought you out of the out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery, He's the one that did that for you. It's so easy for us to to just discard this this passage, instead of thankfully, prayerfully, reverently thanking God for daily bread, we, we may pray a prayer. You know, it's easy for us to pray a prayer, you know, rub-a-dub-dub. Hey, God, thanks for the grub. (laughs) Thanks, God. But Moses reminds us, right? In verse 15, God led you through the great and the terrible wilderness, wilderness with its poisonous snakes and its scorpions. It's a thirsty land where there was no water. He brought water out of the flint rock for you. He fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your ancestors had not known. Why did he do this? In order to humble you and to test you so that in the end, he might cause you to prosper. He's building spiritual muscle within the Israelites and whatever whatever trial or test that you're facing, dear friend, he's, he's building spiritual muscle in you as well. Verse 17, you may say to yourself, well, my power and my own ability, I've gained all this wealth. Look what I did. Look at the house that I built. Look at, the, look at the, the, the business that I started from scratch. He says in verse 18, remember that the Lord your God, he gives you. Once again, he grants you the power to gain all this wealth in order to confirm his covenant that he swore to your ancestors today. And if you ever forget the Lord your God, and you start to follow other gods to serve them and bow and worship to them, I testify against you today that you will certainly perish like the nations the Lord is about to destroy before you. You will perish if you do not obey, if you do not obey the Lord your God. So, in other words, some of the Israelites in the wilderness... They learned to thank God for their daily bread without worrying much about the future. And some did not, even after experiencing 40 years of miraculous provision and protection, including the the miracle of daily bread. Key point number one, so simple this morning. It is so easy to forget that God is our true provider. It's so easy to forget that God is our true provider. We need to be aware that that is our sinful bent. That's our sinful human nature that we want to take credit for our provisions. And yet God is our Jehovah Jireh. He is the one who sees. He is the one that provides. So let's redirect our our thinking just a bit this morning. Think about this. The God who created the entire universe the God who is the God of all space and time and eternity. The God who is infinitely holy and He's completely self sufficient. He, that God, Yahweh God, He actually cares about supplying your physical needs today. As a good, good father, the God of the universe is concerned that we have daily provisions. He is concerned about the clothes that you wear. Your heavenly father is concerned about your growing grocery bill. He is concerned about your stress level as you worry about tomorrow and you're, you're anxious about your, your failing health and you're concerned about the finances dealing with retirement. Why is, so, why is God so concerned about your provisions? The book of Acts says this in Acts 17, 24. The God who made the world and everything in it. He is the Lord of heaven and earth. He doesn't live in shrines made by hands. Neither is he served by human hands. He doesn't need anything from us. As though he needed anything since he himself gives everyone life and breath and all things. From one man he has made every nationality to live over the whole earth as He has determined their appointed times and the boundaries of where they live, He did this so that they might seek God. And perhaps they might reach out and find Him, though He is not far from each one of us. See, for in Him we live and we move and we have our being. So whether we're learning from the Old Testament or we turn to the New, God cares about our provisional details. In fact, the Apostle James says this, James 1.17, he says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, who doesn't change. He doesn't change like we do, like we do. He doesn't change like a shadow. God cares about your daily provisions because he cares about your eternal destiny. So back to our, our gospel text here. Jesus says, give us today our daily bread. He commands us to pray, give us, not give me. Every time we we pray this prayer, what we do is we affirm the unity that we have with our brothers and our sisters in Christ. Contrary to the 21st century Americanized individualism right, that we think we have within the church, not needing one another, not needing the church, Scripture constantly rebukes that thought. So in other words, that phrase there, gives us, we also have a responsibility to help others who don't have their daily bread. We depend not only on God for our our practical provision, but we, we commit ourselves to be part of the solution where we find others in need. Back to verse 11, give us today our daily bread. Today means today. We all have a bad habit of Worrying about tomorrow's bread, don't we? Here in a few weeks, we're going to get to Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, where the Lord provides the cure for anxiety. Let's read this. Let's just get a little preview here. Verse 25, Jesus says, Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink. Don't worry about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Jesus says, consider the the birds of the sky. Look at the birds. They don't sow, they don't reap, they don't gather in the barns. In other words, they're not planting anything, they're not harvesting, and they're not saving anything. He says, and yet, look at the birds. Your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add one moment to your life by worrying? Why do you worry about your clothes? Observe how the wild flowers of the field grow. They don't labor. They don't spin thread. So in other words, they don't even work. And yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was adorned like one of these. And King Solomon didn't, basically King Solomon didn't look this good and he worked all the time and he was a king. Verse 30. So if that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, tomorrow it's it's thrown into the the fire. Won't he do much more for you, you of little faith? That's a rebuke. You of little faith, stop worrying about tomorrow. Tomorrow. Verse 31, so don't worry, saying, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? For the Gentiles, people who don't know God, they eagerly seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. And this is great. If you don't know this, this verse, make a note of it. Matthew 6, 33. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So his way of living life. So that's the promise. Look at this. If you seek first the kingdom of God, all of these things will then be provided for you. So once again, verse 34, Jesus, this is a command. He says, don't worry. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's got enough on its plate. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So in other words, don't worry about tomorrow's provision. Be grateful for what the Lord has given us today. Back to verse 11, give us today our daily bread. You know, this prayer is so simple, it is so subtle, and yet it is so powerful. Let's think about what it doesn't say. It doesn't say, sell us this day our daily bread. Notice that we're not to bribe God either. How many times have we done that? God, you know, if you give me this job, God, you know, if you give me this raise, if you give me this promotion, et cetera, et cetera, I I promise you give me this job, I'll, I'll promise I'll start to tithe. I still remember the first time I did that. I was an unbeliever at the time in the depths of some of my darkest days. And there I was trying to strike a deal with God for my daily bread. When we pray, give us today our daily bread, we are asking God for a gift. We know that God's providence is a gift through the prophet Isaiah. The prophet says this in 55.1, come everyone who is thirsty, come to the water And you, without silver, come and buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without silver and without cost. Why do you spend silver on what is not food? Your wages on what does not satisfy. Listen carefully to me and eat what is good, and you will enjoy the choicest of foods. He says, pay attention and come to me. Listen so that you will live. So God has always been a giving God. He's he's a God of providence. He's a, a God of provisions. And when we pray, give us today our daily bread, this is a request for his providence. Providence is the protective care of God through a supernatural means. So let me give you an example of that. In God's providence, he makes the crops grow. We see this in Psalm 104. We read about God being the creator and the provider here. Verse 10, he, God, he causes the springs to gush into the valleys. They flow between the mountains. They supply water for every wild beast. The wild donkeys quench their their thirst. The birds of the sky, they live beside the springs. They make their voices heard among the foliage. Isn't that cool? That The next time you hear a bird sing, just know that that's their way of worshiping God for their daily provisions. Amen. He waters the mountains from his palace. The earth is satisfied by the fruits of your labor. God causes grass to grow for the livestock. He provides crops for the man to cultivate, producing food from the earth. See, everything is from God. Some of you will really like verse 15, wine. That makes the heart glad. Some of you have a new favorite verse. Look at that. Oil makes the face shine and bread that sustains the human hearts. See, it's important to note here, there is a synergistic relationship between God's providence and our labor. We do have to cooperate with God for his providence. Uh, Now look, God can do anything that He wants, but but it appears that raining down manna from heaven, those days are over. So Jesus teaches us about this synergistic relationship through a parable. Let me show you this. Mark chapter 4, verse 26. The kingdom of God is like this. A man scatters seed on the ground. He sleeps and he rises night and day. The seed sprouts and grows, although he doesn't know how. So let's pause for one second there. Now today's secular scientists, they would reject the parable because they say, you know, wait a second, we do know how the seed sprouts and we do know how it grows. But the context and the spirit behind the parable, it's not a scientific context here. It's divine providence. That's what we're looking at. So in other words, yes, scientists know how things grow, but they don't understand why they grow. And yet we see the harmony between God and man in this parable. Verse 28, the soil produces a crop by itself, first the blade, and then the head, and then the full grain on the head. And as soon as the crop is ready, man, it's man's turn now, he sends for the sickle. It's it's harvest time. It's man's responsibility to make that harvest. So that parable is called the the parable of the growing seed. And it's really a great example of divine providence over here and human responsibility. We are to trust that God as a father um, is going to do his part. And as we go to work, we go to work in faith, knowing that he's a good, good father. And, And then when our years of work are over, We continue to trust in God's providence that we are going to finish life well. Just because you're retired doesn't mean anything anything's changed within God's design on your your life. Second Corinthians 5:7, we walk by faith, not by sight. It is our responsibility, or our responsibility is based in our faith. Back to verse 11 now. Give us today our daily bread. Let's first notice that the Lord Jesus, He doesn't say weekly. He doesn't say monthly or yearly. He says daily. God's provision for us is daily, and so is our daily prayer. As God's children, our our gratitude is daily. We are to rely on the Lord one day at a time. And when things get tough, you know what? We rely on him one moment at a time. Ultimately, we should recognize that we need God more than our next breath. When we thank God for his daily provisions, we experience a supernatural peace over our lives. Especially when we're backed up into a corner and we can't, we can't make sense of what's in front of us. Um, it's then we begin to, to trust God at a new level not worrying about tomorrow. And finally, give us today our daily bread. So in the 1st century Jewish context here, daily bread was the amount of bread necessary to survive for one day. Bread in this verse, it it represents all food that we eat. Bread is symbolic of all of our physical needs. And this request, it, it reminds us of Proverbs 30, verse 8. This is so good. Keep falsehood and deceitful words far from me. Give me neither poverty nor wealth. I don't want either one. I don't want to be on on either extreme here. Feed me with the food that I need. Otherwise, you know what, God? I might have too much. And then I'm going to deny you and I'm going to say, well, who is the Lord? I did all this stuff by myself. Or I might have nothing and steal my food, which would profane the name of God, and I don't want to do that. So in other words, Jesus wants his disciples to constantly depend on God and his provision here in verse 11. Now, lastly, I do want to touch on the spiritual aspect of bread here. The ultimate bread, of course, is Christ Jesus himself in a a spiritual context. The Apostle John says this, well, actually, John penned this. Jesus said this. He said, I am the bread of life. No one who comes to me will ever be hungry, and no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. Uh, dear friends, we're getting ready to celebrate the Lord's Supper here in just a few moments. Um, let, me, let me pray, and then I'll, I'll give you some instructions on how to participate. Father in heaven, you are so good to us, allowing us to open up the word of God and and teaching us how to pray and recognizing that we are so needy to come to you praying for daily bread. Lord, prepare our hearts now as we we come to the Lord's table. Uh, Bring to mind some things that we need to ponder uh, when it comes to our provisions and that you are such a good, good father. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.